Welcome. Earth, along with me. Oh, gnarly. Oh, my God, I shot my eye out. These go to 11. Reading Starfighter. Hasta la vista, baby. Hello, everybody, and welcome to 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh, and welcome to the final show of Oscars Month. I've been working for three weeks on my uh, joke for this segment right here, but it was about Jada Pinkett Smith, so I'll be fucked if I'm going to tell it now. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, do you hear that? (laughs) Is it time to wrap up? Just a while I'm waiting for like a knock at the door and Sarah, Will Smith. <laughs> How did he get all the way out to Illinois? Yeah, that's a. So, yeah, of course, we're going to talk about the slap a little bit. Yeah, we're going to talk about the slap. We're going to talk about we we're going back to 1992. We've got our tuxes on. We're looking all awards like and we are doing the show discussing the winners of then the winners of now. Any things that may have happened then and now and all that, and we're uh, wait, wait, yeah. wait. I, I what? watched the Sylvester Stallone comedy Oscar. That's not what we're doing. Nah, but really doesn't matter at this point. Yeah, I'll fake it. We'll we'll roll with it. Ah, <laughs> uh, that was that's my impression of Oscar. I'm a gangster. Actually, you know, funny enough, Oscar wasn't really that bad. Adrian! That's a whole nother show. Slap me, Adrian! The Oscar show. Write that down. I I don't know what to do with any of this. Make love to my pee hole, Adrian. (laughs) Oh my god. Stop it! (laughs) So if you'd like to get in touch with us and register a complaint... You can give us a call at 708 now rap. That's 708-669-7267. I hate it so much. I told you fuckers not to laugh, and then you I told went and did you, it. you. We had instructions not to laugh at him. I know, and then and I look did what it. you did. Oh Jesus! Yeah, if you'd also like to <laughs> join into this, you can... I'm so mad at myself. What you brought? <laughs> join our Discord. Discuss this on our Discord. Go on there, click the join us on the bottom, and uh, it'll bring you over to the chat. And you know, there's all sorts of things. What I think one of our listeners is just talking about Hogarden. A moment ago. Yep. Mm-hmm. And yep. Moon Knight has begun in the spoilers chat. Yep. Moon Knight discussion and uh, Marco Pierre White. <laughs> also, who is no longer a professional cook. So we got lots of stuff going on out there. Join us. I'm going to get some listener feedback from you guys. But unfortunately, we have none. This is where oh. I put my listener feedback. If I had any. Right. It. It's been a while since we've gotten a voicemail. Yeah. Yeah. Either well, that or it's been a while since I've checked the voicemail. <laughs> it's, yeah. Well, I think everybody was like overwhelmed by the uh, the three and a half weeks of Lepney uh, letting us know about all of his barbecuing, which I still need to try. But my, my neighbors are getting suspicious when I start digging holes in my backyard. Again. Yes. So we're moving on to the none, question of the week. Nothing stirs up the cops like night digging. <laughs> night what you doing? digging. Check it and see. <laughs> Do a little night digging. Don't, don't laugh at that. that don't, we'll fit one to three. Don't laugh, it'll, don't laugh at that, Pat. God bless it. You are don't the worst it example. Don't bring to it, and then you make me laugh, you know? All <laughs> right, so question of the week. When was the first time you got drunk or had your first sip of alcohol? Yeah. <laughs> first. 
two separate occasions. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. First sip better not. Well, first sip usually isn't the getting well, drunk moment. My dad, when I was when I was little, uh, <laughs> usually <laughs> was still was he hadn't gotten he was and you, you want to try that again with words, Joel? Yeah, he's yeah, an alcoholic. Yeah. I was trying to think how to put it uh, politely or, you know, maybe put a little, you know, spin on it. That was more sort of spin on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so, you know, there was always alcohol in the house. And, uh, so, you know, at a very young age, he's like, you know, you want to try a sip of this beer? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And then I was like, Bleh, that's gross. So that was probably like between six to eight years old, somewhere in there. Uh, but the first time I got drunk wasn't until it was high school. I want to say, I want to say I was probably, I think I was driving at that point. So maybe like 16, I was at a party at uh, a friend of mine, Josh's house, not Josh on the show. Um, and it was a, a bunch of us and he lived behind a cemetery uh, off of state street. And so imagine, you know, there's two, two high school seniors who live, who rent a house behind a cemetery. Yeah. That's where we're all going to drink and, and party when you're in high school. Uh, and I happen to have been friends with this dude since I was pretty young. So, uh, we hung out there a lot, but, uh, the, I was drinking MD 2020 and then that led to a little bit of alleged smoking and yeah, I got pretty fucking lit and, uh, lit until yeah. I started puking. And I, I remember I was, I crawled from the living room to the bathroom and I was yakking into the toilet and I turned around cause all the other people were in the other room that were still there. And I was like, man, it tastes better coming up than it did going down. <laughs> yep. So, well, I don't know what to do with that. Classy. Well, thinking about it, both my first sip of alcohol and uh, the first time I got really drunk, uh, both involved the same cabinet. My dad had a liquor cabinet, but it wasn't like a locked liquor cabinet or part of a bar. It was literally just a cabinet, a bureau with a bunch of bottles in it. <laughs> and he like, was a like, beer drinker. Like where you put your clothes type of thing? No, uh, like uh, one of those big uh, dining room kind of things. Like it oh. would have like two side cabinets that you could were big enough to hold bottles or like lamps and yeah there were like dresser drawers in the middle okay but it's like something you'd have in the dining room or in the family room and just the one on the right side he was a beer drinker and like any bottles of liqueur or if he was given a bottle of crown royal for christmas by someone who didn't know him it would go in there and it was more accumulating because he didn't really drink hard stuff and we rarely entertained Okay. But like when I was probably in like middle school age, I discovered that uh, the stuff was in there. And uh, my brother and I tried all of it and discovered that Frangelico was delicious. Uh-oh. story. Yeah. Uh, but like we didn't, we didn't get wasted on Frangelico. We were just like taking little, little sips of Frangelico and Kahlua because there was a bottle of each of those in there. But in high school, my senior year, uh, I decided to swipe the bottle of Old Granddad, which Uh-oh. is a not good uh, bourbon. Yep. Definitely not. It and tastes it like the, an Old Granddad. It was the closing night of the of the play where I was playing one of the leads. It was 10 Little Indians and I was the murderer. 
And we decided to celebrate the close of the show in our senior year, our last play of high school, by going out and drinking in uh, my buddy's car. There were, I want to say, five of us in the car. Party central, man. And we uh, drove around. I'm drinking off the bottle of old granddad. We go to batting cages. Uh, I continue to drink off the bottle of old granddad. We decide we need to go to Taco Bell. This is mistake two. (laughs) But like after my Taco Bell meal and three quarters of the bottle of granddad, the predictable happens. My tummy's not feeling so good. Mm. So we're driving. I'm almost too drunk to navigate the driver back to my house in Cicero. I'm still doing okay, but then I got to puke. And at first, I have the rhythm down. Open the car door, stick head out, puke. Open car door, stick the head out, puke. Then I got the order mixed up. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Puked straight on the car door. <laughs> then I opened it. <laughs> Didn't work <laughs> quite he, so well. Then he fell out. <laughs> So, yeah, we're, we're packed three in the back seat, two in the front. Oh. And there's Bourbon Taco Bell puke inside the car. <laughs> bourbon Taco Bell may be the most unappetizing thing I've ever heard anybody say. And at some point, somebody handed me something that had lipstick in it. And I was so drunk, I got lipstick all over myself, the car, the other passengers. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Don't give Josh anything to drink, man. He starts doing makeovers on everybody. <laughs> and they suck. <laughs> Did you eat a clown? What is going on here? Did you eat a clown? What's weird is I think the thing the makeup was inside, I think it was lipstick inside one of the little clowns that we used to represent the ceramic Indians that disappeared. <laughs> oh, geez. During the play. I think we each got to keep one, and mine somehow got somebody's lipstick inside it. Anyway. Well, then, um, first time I had a taste of alcohol was the Christmas that my uncles decided to clean out my grandfather's bar. Uh, I was maybe 12, 13, and I have family in Germany, um, cousin Helmut out there who owns, <laughs> it's really kind of strange, he owns like one of the largest Hyundai dealerships in Germany, and he owns a huge cherry orchard. And every now and then when people would come back, they would bring back Kirschwasser. That's a strange I mean, string of words. All right. Sorry, isn't it? Ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. It, it really is. Um, he, he would bring back Kirschwasser made that the, he would just take all the cherries that he couldn't sell, put them in a big vat, let them ferment and then squeeze them out. So it's basically cherry fire water. It's cherry hooch. When one thing I learned that day was never drink anything that comes out of that's comes out of one of those. Remember those old brown medicine bottles? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Th- yeah. This sounds like a great idea to me. Oh, yeah. Brown medicine bottle with it labeled is a literally a mailing label written in German. Here, Michael, try this. I'm like, look at my uncle. It's my uncle. He wouldn't steer me wrong. I'm a big old mouthful of Kirschwasser. So I decided to sit down for the rest of the night. As I watch the rest of the family finish off any bottle that was open in my grandfather's bar. And this is my dad's, my dad's dad. He had like a full bar in the basement. Oh my God. 
it was insane. And the thing was, all this is going on as my great-great-grandfather, Gramps, sits there in the corner and finishes a bottle of Johnny Walker. He just he had just had his glass, pour the glass, sip the thing, and he finished probably two-thirds of a bottle of Johnny while the rest of the family got blitzed. Even my grandmother, who was like, I think, German grandmother, you know, that kind of like whole stereotype. She even got loaded. And the next morning, everywhere, the whole family was hungover. So that was my first to my first taste of, of liquor was actually cherry hooch. First time I got drunk. First time I remember being drunk. Because I know for a while I would get really depressed and fall asleep. When I was hanging out with you guys, that was the first time I started like drinking, drinking. And then Josh had the idea that he was, what, how did you put it, Josh? You're going to drink so hard, so fast, we're going to punch right through sad Mike into happy Mike? Yeah, that sounds like <laughs> the sort of idea I'd come up with. I remember that. So Josh and I went out, we hit the bars, got loaded three blocks into it. Officially, at that point, we were maybe four or five blocks away from the apartment and then got lost finding our way back. That was when we were hitting, we were on Madison, going up Madison Avenue to all the bars up there. That also tracks. And the fact that I have no memory of that story also tracks. I just, the uh, the only thing I remember is us being in one bar, meeting some people from Concordia and telling them, I'm going to start drinking until I'm happy. And some of the curve people were like, hey, that sounds great. Mike and Josh, get around for them. So they had like five people buy us drinks. Then we moved on. And I remember you making a phone call, us finding a payphone and you calling the apartment to find out where we were and where was the apartment from where we were. And I remember the conversation, I believe at one point or another, somebody on the other line, it may have been Joel just going, I can see you. <laughs> like you're on the corner. It's that was, that was the first time I got like really like drunk, but it, it worked. You punched through, punched through. Onto the other side, and he's been Real, punching ever since. Yep. <laughs> Real quick, I I remember uh, <laughs> drinking before I was twenty one with the guys from Jeffrey's Appendix at I think it was Duffy's was the place that they they, they wouldn't card. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I just to add, since you guys are being more specific, my father his, his beer of choice was red, white, and blue, so that's probably what I drank first. But anyway, go ahead, Patrick. Oh, I was just going to say my first, uh, both answers to, my answers to both of those are courtesy of my sister, uh, which is not really supposed to be <gasps> uh, I was about, I was just before my 11th birthday, the first time I ever had anything to drink. Uh, she was having a party while my parents were gone and she had some friends over, like about six or eight friends and they gave me some beer and, and it was the first time I ever got, got high. And the first time I ever got drunk was about a year later when she had her first high school party. And there was, you know, my parents were completely out of town, supposedly for the weekend. They had gone away for something and she had a big old party and there was about, you know, 40 or 50 people in the house. And, and I got like just drunk and stoned out of my gazord. I was blown to the winds and um, it was raining outside. I was so fucked up that i was outside in the rain hanging out like playing in the rain in my normal clothes just kind of like 
just messed up, just sitting on a curb, playing with the water that was going by, right on the curb. <laughs> and we lived then in a community. Showed up. We we lived in a community <laughs> that had one of those um those community uh, mailbox things where there's like a hundred different mailbox oh, slots and everybody. Yeah. So I'm sitting there and I'm watching the house on the right, and I'm wa- and I just happen to look up and I see my parents pull up to the mailbox. And, and off to the left, and I'm just like, <laughs> and I watch my parents, you know, get the mail, you know, and, and they, they pull up and they slowly pull up, and I watch the car, you know, because there's cars everywhere around the house, and they slowly pull up and they slowly pull into the garage and or into the part into the driveway, and they walk into the house, and then just teenagers come flooding out of the house like roaches. <laughs> And I'm just, and, and long story short on it, my sister got in trouble because at one point, you know, she's like, your brother was so embarrassed by you that he would rather sit out in the rain than be in here and watch your debauchery. <laughs> yep. Run with that, mom. Yeah. And that's what Michelle did. She's like, she's like, yep, that's what it was going on. He's in his room just sleeping it off right now. And I don't need any more shit than that. <laughs> so, yeah. It Good wasn't job, about, Patrick. Wasn't until about five years ago, we finally told my mom why I was outside. But... Good job being the voice of reason there. You know, yeah, that was nice. that was my first time. So, I mean, I drank uh, before, but didn't get drunk. I think we all probably did a little bit. But anyway, yes, yeah. <clears throat> well, yeah. So there we go. Yeah, that that turned out to be a real roller coaster ride. <laughs> a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah, including the vomit at the end. <laughs> so I, I will. Think, oh, I was gonna say I will say this: Kirschwasser is at our family gatherings every year at Christmas time now. Damn. Yeah, I kind of want some. It's good stuff, especially. I'll tell you, I've had stuff like buy off the shelf, but I've also had Helmut's Kirschwasser. Did you go to the doctor? Night, yeah, almost night and day, man. I mean, that stuff will knock you on your ass if you're not careful. A couple Christmases ago, we started finishing off the bottles that he had of Helmut's Kirschwasser. And the conversation went from, isn't it great that we're all cousins, we're all still hanging out, to we need to go streaking through downtown where the same town where my aunt is a the head of the children's department at the local library. Because if we get arrested, we'll just tell them that we're her relatives and they'll get us off. Oh, they'll get you off. Yeah. The whole time my, my aunt's going, no, mm. no, no, please don't do this. But in the meantime, it is about that time. This week in music, movies, and TV. And sports. Ooh. Sports. And sports. Say it all sultry-like. And sports. Ooh, I like it. So this week, we're going with March 30th, 1992, which was the... 94th? 64th. 64th. 64th Academy Awards. And music. Don't besmirch the name of the number one Hyundai dealership in Germany. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So the number one song in the land was Save the Best for Last by Vanessa Williams. It's a pretty good song for a like slow dance that uh, middle school sort of song. By a former Miss America who was defrocked because of her naughtiness. Because of defrocked. Because, because of being defrocked. defrocked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Indeed. Uh, moving on. Nigel Preston was an English drummer and a founding member of the cult. 
He also played with Theater of Hate, Sex Gang Children, The Baby Snakes, The Gun Club, and DeLuca. In 1990, he was sent to prison for armed robbery, and he died of a drug overdose on April 1st, three days before his 29th birthday, and was absorbed by the other prisoners. All of the other prisoners just absorbed his whole body. That didn't happen. That's kind of what they turned him into. They turned him into. Pruno. He wasn't in drug in, in drug when he died. He wasn't in prison when he died. Well, according to my head, he was. So just. He was definitely in drug when he died. <laughs> he was deep in drug. <laughs> All right. And finally, Human Touch, the ninth studio album by singer-songwriter Bruce Springsteen, was released on March 31st, the same day as Lucky Town. It was the more popular of the two, peaking at number two on the Billboard 200 with the single Human Touch, peaking at number one on the mainstream rock chart, and number 16 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Human Touch has since sold more than 1 million copies in the United States and was nominated for Best Rock Vocal Performance in the 1993 Grammy Awards. So he's released two albums on the same day. Yeah, for some reason. In prison. Wait, no, no, that's not a thing. Before he died of being a methamphetamine user and Vanessa Williams fan. You know what? Fine. We'll roll with that. Fuck it. Go. (laughs) Rest in peace, Bruce. Rest in priest, 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 priest. I'm moving on to movies. I didn't even know Joel was Swedish. (laughs) The number one movie in the land, starring Woody Harrelson, Wesley Snipes, and Rosie Perez, was the acronym of the week WMCJ. I know this one. This is uh, Will made Chris jiggle. Wow, were they for? Imagine the forethought that went in that. Wow, that's like a prophetic song more than any or movie, more right? Than anything. Yeah. Twenty no. years from now, people are totally going to get it. No, Josh, that is not correct. Oh. That is that is white men can't jump. No, you're so close. <laughs> Incidentally, <sighs> we will be doing a show on that at some point because the remake is coming. Well, that's good because I've never seen it. Oh, yeah. Mm. All right. Also, Paul Henride. Henride? Henried? Henried? Henried. Henried. Paul Henried. Henried. Paul Henried was an Australian, British American actor, director, producer, and writer. He is best remembered for two film roles Victor Laszlo in Casablanca and Jerry Durant in Now Voyager. He died on March 29th of pneumonia in Santa Monica, California after suffering a stroke. In prison. Yikes. An Austrian, not Australian. Did I say Australian? Is the, yeah. is... We've oh, all yeah. been drinking. Oh, wait, talking about well, drinking. I, I haven't. Well, now drinking. the Australian contingent is dis- depressed. Now they're drinking. <sighs> well, they already I mean, were. I was going to yeah. say, they were drinking like, before, but they're drinking now, too. They paused <laughs> briefly and then continued. All right, so TV, the top shows in the land were 60 Minutes, Roseanne, Home Improvement, and Murphy Brown, and it was 1992. What? Yeah. Also, Nancy Walker, born Anna Myrtle Swoyer, can't see why she changed that name, Right. was an American actress and comedian of stage, screen, and television, and a film and television director. 
despite her five-decade-long career, she's mostly remembered as Ida Morgenstern. Ida. Yeah, Ida Morgenstern. Ida Morgenstern. Ida? Yep. Yeah. Oh. Well, I got somebody I know who's... Anyway. Same spelling, different pronunciation. Anyway, who first appeared on several episodes of the Mary Tyler Moore Show and later became a prominent recurring character of the spinoff series Rhoda. I remember Ida Morgenstern. Wasn't yep. Morgenstern... That wasn't one of the Three Musketeers, was it? Where's Morgenstern from in class? Like, oh, uh, uh, so and so and Morgenstern are dead. That's what I'm thinking of. That's Rosencrantzen. Yeah, Guildenstern. Yeah, Rosencrantzen Guildenstern. So, oh wait, so Morgan, I don't know what the hell I'm thinking. Morgenstern, I think, was the fictional author of the Princess Bride, or maybe he was the real author of the Princess Bride. Oh, that's right. Okay, there you go. Explore Morgenstern. Morgan Apparently, Morgenstern is a Russian rapper. I was just gonna say that Morgenstern. <laughs> all right he's, moving on to wait i'm gonna, I'm oh gonna tell God, into no. the, look up more about that later he's got a <laughs> song called porn out of course he does and hail me hail me all right anyway sorry go ahead i think he's done <laughs> i don't think he is on March 4th, for Jesus Christ, <laughs> on March... <laughs> on Is that March a fourth in there? <laughs> on... I swear to God. On March 1st, NHL players began their first strike in the league's 75-year history. The 10-day action earned the players a large payoff bonus, increased more control over licensing of their likenesses, and changes to the free agency system. Because, you a know, a lot of playoff, NHL players. Large playoff bonus for the NHL players. Because uh, a lot of NHL players outside of Wayne Gretzky have their likenesses stolen and used for <laughs> merchandise. There's a there's a big, big black market underground for NHL likenesses. You didn't know that? Big head stickers and things like that? No. Oh, yeah. I'm learning. There's not. That's a total lie. No. Yeah. But you're correct. Yeah, you wouldn't think there would be. They were probably getting not much, and now they're getting something at least. You know, for eh, like that's fair. Video games and things like that. Oh, good point. Good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On March 25th, at the Cricket World Cup held in Melbourne, Imran Khan, you know that <gasps> name? Yes, yeah. the great Imran Khan scored 72 in his final ODI as Pakistan beat England by 22 runs for their first title. Ooh. Yep. Good good job, Imran. And lastly, March 28th was the East Regional Men's Basketball Final between Duke and Kentucky. With 2.1 seconds remaining in overtime, Christian Leitner hit a jumper as time expired to give Duke the 104-103 win. The game has been considered by many to be the greatest college basketball game ever played. I know that name. Kentucky? No, <laughs> Christian Leitner. <laughs> Dick. Oh, shit. Did, did Christian Leitner go on to play professional ball? He did for a little while. Um, he was most famously known for not only this shot, but he was the uh, the 12th man on the Olympic, the first Olympic dream team. They were forced that's... to have a college player, and he was the one that went that got chosen. That's well, why I know he... his name. 
Well, he was also one of the players in NBA Jam, if I recall. Yeah, he might have been because of that. Yeah, he might have been one of the secret players you could get, but he wasn't one of the main players. Yeah. But yeah, he, just, he only played in the NBA for like three seasons, I think. I just remembered that name, and I'm like, I didn't watch, ever watch college balls, so I'm like, he must have been yeah. somewhere that... You were you watching know. the Olympics, I'm sure, and that's where you know him from. Either that or... Because uh, yeah, everybody or watched that first, game. you know, the first the first NBA Olympic team with Jordan and Bird and all them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was the 12th man on that team. Yeah, and I think I watched that. Wasn't there a 30, 30 by 30 documentary on ESPN about it, I think? Yeah, yeah. That and yeah. I know I watched that because those those were all fascinating. I showed a video of the first game to the girls, and I was like, "All right, we're gonna start it here. Now we're gonna fast forward to the middle. <laughs> and then we're gonna fast forward to the end." And they're like, "Are they fifty eight points ahead?" <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> and the opposing team is gonna ask for their autographs when it's done. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a different so. time. All right, play us off, keyboard Joel. In prison. (laughs) All right. So we're going back to 1992. To the 64th. Sorry, I was doing the time effect. Is that my time travel? Yeah. To the 64th Academy Awards. (laughs) In the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion. And uh, I'm going to hear that echo. <laughs> Honoring movies released in 1991. Um, yeah. So, I mean, first off, I've got the winners. I got some stuff in, interspersed in. So, people that were up for actor in a leading role, we had Anthony Hopkins for Silence of the Lambs, Warren Beatty for Bugsy, Robert De Niro for Cape Fear, Nick Nolte for Prince of Tides, and Robin Williams for The Fisher King. Uh-huh. First off, I want to say that is a good bundle of movies right there. This was a right? pretty good Academy Award year period. Yeah, yeah, I remember watching this one live back in '92. Yep. Agreed. Because mm-hmm. it was, I mean, it was one of those <laughs> rare moments where I knew. All, yeah, we might no. have. Okay. I didn't know you guys yet. In '92, I didn't graduate yeah. high school until '93. Yeah, Joel uh, and I were both class of '93. I was already. Well, who the hell did I watch this with? <laughs> Yeah, I watched it at college, so. Well, I'm just saying, this is one of the moments where I, like, actually recognize all the movies that are popping up here. I mean, once in a while, there's one that I'm, like, out of, out of the blue from, but I, for the You're most part. Big Prince of Tides fan? Uh, no. I do recall going to see Cape Fear in the theater, though, so. Ditto. Yeah. First time I ever saw Juliette Lewis. I was a fan. Well, all right. So, and winner of that one was Anthony Hopkins for Silence of the Lamb, Lambs. And uh, you're going to see a theme here. Well-deserved, but God damn it, Robin Williams certainly could have won that just as easily. Because he was pretty oh, amazing the, in The Fisher King. The Fisher King? Yeah. yeah. You know what I think the thing is with The Fisher King? I think it was... I watched it. I loved it. I have it on DVD. It's a great movie. I think for the general, general populace... It was kind of difficult for them to wrap their heads around. Yeah, little too esoteric. Is that the right word? I don't know. Little, little Maybe. too out there for them. Yeah, I, I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, y'all know how I feel about that movie. Yeah, let's make a let's make a comedy about a public uh, shooting. I, I so, wouldn't call it a comedy. I laughed. 
<laughs> I mean, there's funny parts in it, sure. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, so actress in a leading role. We have Jodie Foster, Silence of the Lambs, Gina De- Davis for Thelma and Louise, Laura Dern for Rambling Rose, Bette Midler for The Boys, and Susan Sarandon for Thelma and Louise. Uh, Jodie Foster, again, like I said, thematically there, this is how this evening is going to go. How much would it suck that you were in the same movie in a leading role and both you and your co-star are up for the same award? I don't know what's worse, that or if like only one of you was up. I don't know. I mean, I mean, can you imagine if Gina Davis won and then Susan Sarandon walked up on stage and slapped her? <laughs> I mean, or yeah, it could have been watch. like this year's, like this year's Oscars. You know, where they, they had a married couple up for the, both of them up uh, for uh, Oscars. True. You know? true. What, Josh? Uh, I don't think I said anything useful. Oh, <laughs> I think I was just chiming in. Oh yeah, <laughs> in the role of Joel this evening, Josh. Oh jeez, uh, actor in a supporting a role. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Actor in a supporting role, we've got Jack Palance as the winner for City Slickers. Uh, went up against Tommy Lee Jones for JFK, Harvey Cattell for Bugsy, Ben Kingsley for Bugsy, and Michael Lerner for Barton Fink. Barton Fink. Barton Fink. So this was the year of Bugsy. Uh-huh. And this was also the year where Jack Palance did one-armed push-ups. Right. right. And they had the, the great re uh recurring joke about you know every time something would happen they'd come back from commercial break jack palance just you know did this just did that <laughs> yeah like when uh, they had like, the, the choir of kids you know and jack palance fathered all those children <laughs> jack palance just bungee jumped off of the hollywood sign ah, kids yeah. these days never never uh deny a good a good recurring joke in one of these things uh actress supporting role mercedes rule for the fisher king Diane Ladd for Rambling Rose, Juliet Lewis for Cape Fear, Kate Nelligan for The Prince of Tides, and Jessica Tandy for Fried Green Tomatoes, and Mercedes Rule for The Fisher King one. Yep. So they got something. I loved her speech. She had a very, she had a very good speech, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that something won from that because it's just such an amazing movie. But the yeah. thing is, like Fisher King is almost like a Academy aimed at the Academy type of movie. It's got recognizable stars. It's got a theme that's kind of dark and kind of weird and a little bit edgy and a lot of you know, art direction and right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a beautiful movie and, and I'm glad it was nominated at least, but yeah. Yeah. So art direction was the next one. And we also, we've got Bugsy, Barton Fink, Fisher King and Hook. And it wasn't until Hook that I was like, holy crap, what, this this year was crazy. <laughs> like so much going on. So the winner was Bugsy I mean, for art director. I was I was kinda you know, I was kinda over the whole list, but you know what the hook brought me back. Oh God. Can I kick him? Please. I mean, seriously. He's warning us about you, Joel, and now he's doing it. <laughs> I'm guessing that the Bugsy art direction thing was kind of like the um Cruella art direction thing where it's probably, uh, you know, probably because it was a, uh, a period piece. Period you know? piece. Yeah. I, so, I don't know uh, that I saw it though, so I don't know. Did any of you guys see it? I, really? I, yeah, I definitely I, saw it more than once. I remember seeing it years ago because I was, this is the time that I was working at the video store. But um, I don't recall anything from it. I got to go back and watch this again if it. 
now that see it's won all these awards. Yeah, it so was a pretty good gangster movie. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I know we have a family it. movie night coming up. I think I'm going to bring Barton Fink for that one. <laughs> yes, I love Barton Fink. Hmm. You know what the thing is? My kids would probably dig it. <laughs> all right, so cinematography. We've got JFK, Bugsy, The Prince of Tides, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, and Thelma and Louise are up for that one. And JFK actually won it for that, which is another movie I've never seen. Really? Yeah. Huh. It's decent. I mean, I can see where that would be up and be a valid contender along with Terminator 2. Um, Thelma and Louise, Mm -hmm. Ridley Scott. So, I mean, I can see him, you know, working with his cameraman to pull off some cool shots but yeah yeah i was surprised at how much terminator 2 was up i didn't mean i mean that's where you get like nowadays it's all marvel movies and stuff that kind of get up for that sort of thing but uh well there's there's some like there's some movies that are going to pop up in here that you're like wait that was even considered type of thing yeah i just noticed the next section actually uh about to say that (laughs) costume design so we have bugsy the adams family Barton Fink, Hook, and Madame Bovary from Bovary, <laughs> Bovary, Bovary from the left side of the field. I well, don't know what is. I don't know the the one that sticks out to me there is Adam's Family. Like I loved that movie back in that year, but it is not the sort of movie you expect to see in this sort of award show. No, no, but I mean at the same time, I mean if you go from Barton Fink to Hook to Adam's Family. I don't know. I'm outside of, I was. I would want to say that T two might have been in there, but everybody was just kind of like wearing leather jackets. But I mean, like even Silence of the Lambs, there's a lot of costuming that's going on in that, especially with with uh, Jane Gum. You know, where even even the silk robe thing with the goodbye horses scene. I mean, there's some costuming going on there to make that work. So I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. Who knows where they choose these from? Yeah, so the winner on that one was Bugsy. Then we have directing Silence of the Lambs with Jonathan Dem. Dem or Demi? Demi. Demi? Yeah. Boys in the Hood with John Singleton. Bugsy with Barry Levinson. JFK with Oliver Stone. And Thelma and Louise with Ridley Scott. And Jonathan Demi with Silence of the Lambs wins, which is considering Oliver Stone and Ridley Scott were both in this. Right? Yeah. Well, That's saying something. And then John Singleton, he was the... Uh, he was 23. 23, first black uh, director to get nominated, I believe. He was the youngest. He was absolutely the youngest. And the, the young, yeah. Going up against probably some of the biggest directors of the day. Seriously. I mean, that's that's some credit. Uh, real quick side story here about Silence of the Lambs. That was the first film I ever bought on uh, to own on VHS and the EP copy that wore out because it was, you know, recorded at a different speed. So it took a blessed tape that that and True Romance were the two movies that made me fall in love with film as an art form, not just as a passive kind of viewing experience. Hmm. It was that one and uh, True Romance. So Sounds of Lambs will always have a, a very special place in my heart. So it makes me happy that we're talking about it. All right. True romance. I haven't seen that in forever. So film editing, the editing K 
category, JFK, The Commitments. Again, another movie that I'm like, I totally forgot that it came out around this time. I love The Commitments. I have like, they brought back that the whole uh, soundtrack album that they sold, like that may have gotten to the top 10. Oh, such a good soundtrack, though. It is a great soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, Sounds of the Lambs, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, and Thelma and Louise, and then JFK 1 for the editing. Uh, makeup, which now is makeup and hairstyling. I believe they added that on there. Hmm. Yeah. So um, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, Hook, Star Trek 6, The Undiscovered Country. It's a light year, apparently. Yeah. Only those three. And uh, Terminator 2, Judgment Day 1. I think the fact that Stan Winston was on this had a lot to do with that. You can't really. I mean, talking about, again, one of the greats. Yeah. Stan Winston. And then Stan Winston, Terminator 2 with the juggernaut that it was that year. I mean, they're kind of like, well, who are we going to put up against that hook? I guess we got to. What else came out this year? (laughs) So... But uh, music, original score, again, uh, highlighting what year it was. Beauty and the Beast with Alan Menken. Bugsy with Ennio Morricone. Mm-hmm. The Fisher King with George Fenton. JFK with John Williams. And The Prince of Tides with James Newton Howard. And Alan Menken won with Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, all, all big names. I mean, it's it's hard oh, yeah. to compete with. With a, a Disney score, but John Williams, yeah, probably the most like modern day anyway. Uh, yeah. Prolific uh, soundtrack composer. All right. And then moving on to music original song that they song Beauty and the Beast from Beauty and the Beast. And then Beauty and the Beast, Be Our Guest. And then Beauty and the Beast, Bell. And then Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Everything I Do, I Do For You. Oh. And and then Hook, When You're Alone from Hook. I didn't even realize there was a song in Hook. Was there? It was called When You're Alone. Oh, I know. Right. And every time I hear it, I get the chills. And When you're alone, you're alone all the way from your... Oh, wait. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> What the hell? Wrong show. So yeah, so we got three Beauty and the Beast, one Robin Hood, and one Hook going on for the music one. I'm sure the Hook one probably played over the credits, just like the Everything I Do. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's probably it. Because again, it's just it's just like makeup with T two, original song. We got a Disney musical, you know, animated film that came in this, and they got three of the songs in there already. What are they gonna do? We can't have it all in there. It's got to put a couple of things. How about how about that uh, Brian Adams song? Want to toss that in there? Because I, I don't yeah. think I want to hear Kevin Costner sing. <laughs> but yeah, so Beauty and the Beast won. Alan Menken and Howard Ashman for the lyrics on that one. Uh, writing screenplay based on material previously produced or published. Going to go with the winner, Silence of the Lambs. Other nominees were Europa, Europa. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that movie, but it's Agnieszka Holland was writer of that. Fried Green Tomatoes, uh, JFK, and Prince of Tides. Then we have writing for new screenplay, Thelma and Louise, Boys in the Hood, Bugsy the Fisher King, and then Grand Canyon. I don't remember Grand Canyon. Do you guys remember Grand Canyon? Oh, yeah. It was a real long movie with lots of characters. Uh, Danny Glover, Steve Martin. Oh, 
yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of like uh, Shortcuts or any of the Paul Thomas Anderson films, big ensemble cast. Mm-hmm. Like coffee and cigarettes type of thing? Kind of, but just okay. more longer. <laughs> more longer. More longer. Thelma, Thelma and Louise won that one. Best picture. Anybody got a guess? Best Silence. picture? Silence. Yep. Silence of the Lambs. Silence won everything this year. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, it was and it Silence was up... and Bugsy pretty much divided the pot. Yeah. So, and it was also up against Beauty and the Beast, Bugsy, JFK, Prince of Tides. Uh, best sound was actually Terminator 2, Judgment Day. I oh, mean, okay. Yeah. But, which, go ahead. I was going to say it's up against Backdraft, Beauty and the Beast, <laughs> JFK, and Silence of the Lambs. And that's another one of those, like, oh, yeah, this was the year Backdraft was out. I mean, when I think about Backdraft, one of the big reasons I think that that movie, <clears throat> I mean, it, it's an, it's an okay movie, but the sound is so important in that film that I'm not surprised that it was up, even though the film itself was kind of, you know, it was all right. Mm. And then visual effects. Pat, you want to guess? Uh, You're right. You it's Star Trek The Undiscovered Country. Oh, I didn't even know that was in there. No, it wasn't. It was T2. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it was up against Backdraft and Hook. Again, you know. Yeah. Makes sense. Backdraft has a lot of a lot of effects going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they also had the Academy Honorary Awards. Went to Oh god, I'm gonna hack this one up. Sajiat Ray, who is a a Bengali or Indian filmmaker, screenwriter, documentary filmmaker, author, essayist, lyricist, magazine editor, illustrator, calligrapher, and music composer. I think it's Satyajit Ray. Satyajit? Satyajit. I think he's right. Yeah. The point goes to Joel. Finish him. Uh, He's widely considered one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. He's celebrated for works such as the Apu trilogy, yep. the Music Room, the Big City, and Charlotta. I do not know this guy. Joel apparently knows this guy. I know the Apu trilogy just by name only. I've not seen okay. it, but I know like I can visualize the the posters for the for the films. But yeah, I've not. I would like to them. thank okay. all of you for being. Uh, uh, responsible enough and mature enough to not reference the Simpsons when we said the Apu trilogy twice. <laughs> <laughs> I know I just kind of did it, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, there was also gave out the Irving G. Felberg Memorial Award. It's awarded to periodically by the Academy uh, to creative producers whose bodies of work reflect a consistently high quality of motion picture production. And they gave that to George Lucas who in 1992, apparently, that's where he was. Well, yeah, I mean, 92. He hadn't done the prequels yet, so he got up on stage. (laughs) I want to thank everybody very much. I got this award. It's it's not an Oscar, but it's got a different guy's head on here, but I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, everybody. That might have been why he, uh, where he got the balls to make the, the prequels. Never know. Now, performers. Uh, Bill Conti was the music arranger for all the orchestra type of things on this one. And he's done music from like, uh, for your eyes only did the dynasty 
TV show, The Right Stuff. Billy Crystal did a performance where he did Beauty and the Beast to the tune of the Patty Duke show. And then Silence of the Lambs to the song Shadow of Your Smile from the Sandpiper. Yeah, if you watch the opening of the show, he did uh, medley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, JFK yeah. to the tune of Three Coins in the Fountain. Right. It's, uh, yeah. So he also had uh, Paige O'Hara and Richard White performing Belle from Beauty and the Beast. Jerry Orbach, who is amazing, doing Be Our Guest. Brian Adams came out and did Everything I Do, I Do It For You. Of course. Amber Scott came out and did When You're Alone from Hook, and everybody went, oh, it's the music from the credits. And then here's a name you don't you, Last time you thought of this guy, Peebo Bryson, <laughs> Celine Dion, and Angela Lansbury also came out and performed Beauty and the Beast. I mean, Peebo Bryson, I mostly think of performing at the Academy Awards, something that he did that was in a movie soundtrack. Right. Like, I don't think this is the only time he did that. I think it was at least once more. Didn't he do somewhere out there? I American think Tom. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're I right. think that's the other one I was thinking yeah. of. Yes. Yeah, hang on. I'm on here. Yep, I believe you're right. Uh, just just thinking out loud. And do e- any of you guys know how many times Billy Crystal's host hosted the Oscars? Eight. That's my guess. Mm, gonna go with six. Josh. Uh, I was gonna guess eight. Nine times. Holy cats. Nine. Shit, I should have done the uh, yep. Price is right. And just I, th- I thought you were that. going to. I, I should have. I was regretting going first. I'm like, why did I do that? So. Uh, I'm trying so, yeah. to see who's hosted the Oscars the most. Oh, okay. So, all okay. right. Give us, give us some choices. Oh. Uh, yeah, we because uh, make a multiple choice test on the fly. There's gonna be there's gotta be at least three people on the top. Otherwise, I'm just gonna guess people Bryson. Okay, so the most times I'm gonna give you Billy Crystal, uh Ricky Gervais, um Whoopi Goldberg, Joan Rivers, or Bob Hope. Joan Rivers. Uh I'm going with Whoopi. I'm going with Joan Rivers. Bob Hope hosted the Oscars 19 times. Wow. Way to go, Ski Slope Nose, man. And I knew that Ricky Jervis was a trick question because he's not an Oscars host. He's a uh, Golden Globes. Golden Globes host, yeah. Well, not anymore. (laughs) Oh, true. The next closest was uh, actually uh, Billy Crystal. And then after that, it was Johnny Carson did it five times. So you really had a drastic like drop-off. Holy cow. And I didn't even know. I didn't even recall that uh, he even did uh, did host them. But I suppose, I mean, he was huge all the time. <laughs> That's what his wife said. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to throw in a little fun trivia there because, you know. No, no, that's good trivia. I mean, because Bob Hope, I wouldn't. I didn't. I mean, you think how many years has it been? A hundred and what? The 94th was this year. 90, 94th. Jeez. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, I mean, definitely in the early 90s, I used to watch the Oscars a lot. Uh, and then the last couple years, I've been like, I try to watch it every year, but I, I just haven't gotten up the gumption until this year where uh, we were doing it for the show. And man, do we pick a 
We picked yes, a hell of a year to do this show. Yeah, hell of a year to choose to do this. Uh, yeah, I'm the same with you, Josh. And it's like I don't. Re- I remember watching it in the early '90s and like actually sitting down and having we're going to watch the Oscars type of thing, and just slowly waning off. The other only other time that I recall actively watching it is when I was at your apartment, Pat. Yeah, and that was one of the last times I really remember watching it too. We had a big Oscar party. We all had a you know a, a, a pool we bet on. Yeah. Because yeah, I remember I brought all, I brought everybody that worked with me at the game store over, yeah. and I I made a poster for it because we were at a an Oscar party. Yep. Yeah, um, and... it was one of the last times I really gave, gave a shit about it. I mean, I, I thought was that the year that that um, Saving Private Ryan won or uh, didn't win? I mean, it it would have been definitely I would say either ninety four or ninety five. I'm I'm guessing ninety five. Uh, yeah, well, '98 was when that happened because that was that was pretty much to me the last Oscar that I watched. I, I, I that kind of burned me out. I was like, oh, you know what? Fuck this. Well, I, like, no, I mean because because '95 was Forrest Gump's year. Maybe it was oh, later. Oh, yeah. It had to. It had to have been later because you were saying that '98 was was the, was the the. No, I didn't start working at the game store until after 2000. Uh well, '96 was leaving Las Vegas. When was Shakespeare in Love? Uh, 99, 97 was shine yeah, about 500 years ago. <laughs> uh, shine was 97, 98 was as good as it gets. And then 99 would have been Shakespeare in love. And I will say, or no, the, yeah, yeah. Shakespeare in love. Sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say for working at, when I was working at the video store, one of the things I remember is that every time the Oscars came up, that was a huge thing. Oscars are coming up and everybody was coming in and renting movies that had won best picture. We had to do a whole display of videos that had won the best picture in previous years and that sort of thing. Yeah. Cause it used to be everybody tried to see all the Oscar, you know, the best picture movies before the Oscars. Yeah. Used to be. Everybody wanted to see those. Yeah. And, and this is back. I mean, the guy who I worked for Lou, he was insane with us cause he would buy, you know, Mike, my store got 20 copies each of everything that was up for an award. And we had this, gigantic display and this is back when god uh vhs cassettes were like 70 bucks a pop oh, oh yeah. yeah you yeah. know that wasn't cheap those were dark days and it's crazy oh. now because i think that since the late 90s i am more likely when i watch the oscars whether i watch the whole thing or just catch the highlights the day after i am more likely to go and decide to see the movies that were nominated or won because I discover them because of the award show instead of like watching them beforehand. Right. Well, like a lot of the movie. Oh, Oh, good. No, please. I was gonna say a lot of the movies that are up for awards. I think I want to say like 99, 2000 on are obscure. They're obscure up until the point where they get onto the Oscars. Sure. Although this year I had an unusually high percentage of movies, not just for the podcast, but just in general that I watched that were nominated. Cool. That's true. Yeah. I've, this is the first year I've actually had a lot that I've watched ahead of time. Uh, but like, for example, the, the, the eyes of Tammy Faye or whatever that Jessica Chastain won for, I had no interest or even really knowledge of the film until I saw her acceptance speech. And I'm like, okay, now I'm kind of curious. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't, know when I stopped watching, but I used to be the same way. I was like, I had to watch the Oscars every year. And I think the more that I kind of realized that there was a lot 
deeper wealth of films out there, not just the bad ones, Patrick, the good ones too, uh, the less I cared, you know? But still fun to talk about. Fun yeah. to watch together. All right. So I feel like we're hitting a lull. Are we ready to go to the break and then fully uh, dive into this year's Academy Awards? I totally think we are. So we'll do that then. I, <laughs> I was like, is that a break or what's was, happening? Was, for more confirmation from you guys, but apparently we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Academy Awards and the awards that were given and things that occurred. Right. So we'll be back in a little bit. Booyakasha. We are back, and we're going to talk about this year's 2022 93rd Academy Awards, celebrating movies that were all released in 2021. This was at Union Station, Los Angeles, in the Dolby Theater at the Hollywood and Highland Center. That's a lot of words. Yeah, it was the first time in uh, two years, three years, that they actually had hosts. Yeah. So... How do they do it without hosts? I didn't even watch those. And it was the 94th. 94th? What did I say? 93rd. You've got the dates as honoring movie. Yeah. Some, oh! Somehow you cut oh. last year. So I was like, no, it was the 94th. I'm pretty no, sure. Yeah. All the stuff under. No, you know, what, you know what it was? Here, Here's the thing. If you type in 2022 Academy Awards, you get for the year before. Oh, okay. So this is my fault. It's 2022. I don't know where the hell it was, but it happened this smart, you know, happened. I mean, it is the Dolby Theater. It is, you know, all that stuff is all. Yeah. It's just, it was, anyway, all the stuff below it is correct. Yeah. And the thing was that really got me is like for last year's, I started putting in like the uh, uh, actor in a leading role award and it was um, Anthony Hopkins again. And I started I was like, oh, man, oh, that's yeah. really cool. And then I'm like, wait a second, that doesn't make sense. So then I had to redo all the all the winners and everything. But so starting. OK, first off, who who hosting this was. There were three people. There was Wanda Sykes, Regina Hall and Amy Schumer and Amy Schumer. Yep. A bundle of and unfunny you know, people for me all around. I, I was not excited to see a- Amy Schumer. Uh, uh, Wanda Sykes runs hot and cold for me. Uh, Regina Hall, I, I've seen a couple of her things. Uh, I didn't really have an opinion on her, but Amy Schumer really surprised me this year. Hmm. She was funnier than I think I've ever seen her. And like, she might not be a very good stand-up person or movies may not be good, but as a host, I thought she was actually pretty funny. Huh? I, I kind of agree. There were more than, I had more than one chuckle off of her this time around. Normally I just don't find her funny at all. Yeah, I actually found I had some moments with the three of them that I actually laughed. And uh, even some of the stuff later, I was like, huh. Yeah. Okay. There were times where I, ex- I exhaled a little bit faster than I normally do. But you know. <laughs> I found them almost completely unfunny, personally. 
What they? they I mean, there speeches? were a couple moments. Yeah. No, no, no. The, yeah. the hosts. You know. No, I know. I was kidding. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like, I, I we're probably in the same boat on this one because I think there was. It wasn't like, it wasn't like Billy Crystal was doing it. You know, Billy Crystal when he did, he was funny. Um, this I think just I, I was kind of like, like that whole thing that they had where they <laughs> where they were standing there, you know, trying to hand out. Uh, the DVDs and the different things and the whatever that that whole bit, bit was not funny at all. See, uh, both Sarah and I thought the uh, a movie that no one had seen, including the director, and it was the Last Duel, was actually pretty funny. I see, I didn't even get. I, I don't even know what the Last Duel was, so maybe I just didn't get that joke. But that whole bit just fell flat for me. Yeah, it was a Ridley Scott film that virtually nobody saw. Sarah watched it, and like, uh, it's. It's a movie with like Adam Driver and Matt Damon that features like a reenaction of a medieval rape from like three different perspectives. Mm. And so it had really cool armor. That's what I can give that. And it has Matt Damon fighting with swords. (laughs) You ass. Um, So actors in the leading role, we have Will Smith for King Richard. Javier Bardem for Being the Ricardos, Benedict Cumberbatch for Power of the Dog, Andrew Garfield for Tick, Tick, Boom, and Denzel Washington for The Tragedy of Macbeth. Uh, Will Smith. So we're already here, are yeah. we? Well, I mean, actor in a leading role. That's what I started with the last actor and actress. That's what I started with. We, can, we I've, got, I've got notation for later. So this was... 30 minutes after the now infamous, like, I don't think we need to go over the details unless someone's living under a rock at this point. Uh, maybe a rock was the wrong word to use. <laughs> um, but when Chris Rock made a joke uh, about Jada Pinkett Smith that uh, was, hey, the G.I. Jane 2, uh, can't wait to see it. Like, pretty innocuous in terms of how offensive it could even be. But whether or not he knew, like she'd just gone on record about having a diagnosis of alopecia and uh, something happened, like they cut from the camera where Will is first laughing at the joke and then he's rushing the stage and hauls off and slaps the shit out of Chris right across the stage, returns to his seat and twice yells, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. Well, and the, th- yep. the thing, interesting thing about it is that if you look at Jada's face right before that, she kind of makes a face like, okay, that whatever. Like, she's annoyed by the joke, but it is what it is. So, yeah, I'm curious. I, I wish we could have seen what happened in between point A and point B, but, yeah. And by now, there have been all sorts of dissections, like uh, people catching pictures of Beyonce trying to grab for Will's hand to keep him from rushing the stage. Oh, interesting. The fact that Chris Rock kind of looked like he braced for it. You know, I don't know. I think I I have a hard time believing the truthfulness of anything that comes out of Hollywood. I mean, they are all actors. Yeah, but when you are known for family movies, like I, I've said before, uh, we were talking a little pre-show, is like maybe I, I could have uh, said, okay, the slap was faked, but... Him dropping the F-bomb twice on live TV that goes out uh, worldwide, Mm -hmm. and it was not censored in every country, Uh, that is something that, even if you're winning Best Actor, 
some careers would not recover from. His probably will. But to me, that's the evidence. And I think that's the moment, if you uh, look at all of the people in the audience, where they realize this isn't a bit. That just happened. Well, and it's interesting because, you know, it's not the first time where, uh, you know, crazy things have happened. Like like the streaker is probably the, the biggest one that people remember. Um, and it's something people are going to talk about. And we were there. Or George or George yeah, C. Scott I mean, sending a you know a Native American up to, to accept his award. That was a pretty big controversial moment. Yeah. No, that was Brando um, refusing yeah. his. Brando, yeah, yeah no, Brando, was sorry, Brando, Brando, Brando Center. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, none of it has been a altercation. I mean, there's been a couple times where people have like tried to rush the stage and gotten taken down and politely escorted away, but um, I don't know. I. I well, I have yeah. questions. I have questions that I think are not going to show answers are not going to show up to this till years from now. Well, and like right after you've got uh, P Diddy getting up for the next category, saying we're going to solve this like family after the show, and then uh, when thirty minutes later, after being still in his front row seat with people making awkward references to it and everyone looking super tense. Where to this category where Will wins the best actor, comes up to the stage and gives this strange halting speech where he's breaking down, processing what he did, talking about how uh, the character he played was a defender of his family and how in the business you have to tolerate disrespect. And it's just this rambling, long, emotional speech that's kind of hard to watch where he portrays himself as, as a victim kind of almost. And he kind of apologized, but kind of doesn't like, yeah, he doesn't apologize to Chris. He does recognize that he's overshadowed the event and disrespected the Academy and his fellow nominees, yeah. which is something, I guess, but he apologized to everybody, but the person that he should have. I mean, which nobody was, was odd. Yeah, nobody was really in the right or the wrong. It just, and it's, who knows? I mean, it could be, you know, more comes out later. Could be, you know, it is what it was, but we all, yeah, we all saw it. That was, that was a thing that happened. Yep. So he wanted, like Josh said, he wanted to winning the actor in a leading role for King Richard, the story of the father of the Williams tennis Sisters and poor Questlove wins his first Oscar, and you know, it is is it's presented to it by Chris Rock right after all that happens, <laughs> right? So, yeah. So the guy's like, "Yeah, nobody gives a shit what I have to say right now." <laughs> well, he was also he was struggling to do his speech because he was just overwhelmed with emotion, right. and I think Questlove is like one of he's a national treasure, yeah, for sure. And I just and, I, it's a uh, shame like, that his Oscar win was overshadowed, just like a lot of people's, for sure. All right, so actress in a leading role. We have Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Time Fay, Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman for Being the Ricardos, and Kristen Stewart, yep. question mark, for Spencer. <laughs> yep. So to get when you yeah. play Princess Diana. And that's the thing is like there were an unusual number of biopics, uh, especially in this category, but just in general. Uh, and that's, you see, uh, uh, 
they were all real big this year. And uh, Jessica Chastain, like uh, Joel had said earlier, uh, both Sarah and I, when we saw this get announced and heard her speech, like, you know, I had no interest in seeing this, but now I kind of want to. Yeah, it made me curious. And I've heard good things about Spencer. Some people actually said it's almost like a horror movie in some ways. Uh, And we just watched Being the Ricardos last weekend, which... If you if you're gonna watch that, watch the Lucy and Desi Amy Poehler documentary the same night. But watch the documentary first, then watch the movie. It's it's fascinating. Okay, so yeah, so Jessica Chastain won with the eyes of Tammy Faye. Mm-hmm. And supporting actor, we've got Troy Kotsur for Coda, Sirian Hines for Belfast, Jesse Plemons for Power of the Dog, J.K. Simmons for Being the Ricardos, and Cody Smith McPhee for winning the most fun name to say. <laughs> also for Power of the Dog. And that one went to Troy Kutzer for Coda. Again, movie I movies I Power of the Dog? I don't know what that is. I mean, I have I did not know what that was until I there was all these Oh really? Yeah, I I'm, That was my pick for best picture this year. Really? I most of my life has been revolving around movies that I watch for this show. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And and if I'm not watching a movie for this show, I'm pretty much just sitting and staring, really. Oh. Yeah. Like I didn't uh actually see Power of the Dog, but there was enough when uh it came to the announcements talking about it and I was aware of like controversy surrounding reaction to it. That uh, it's basically a, a Western about someone whose repressed homosexuality causes him to lash out at the people around him. Starring Benedict Cumberbatch and the weirdest couple yeah. of the century, Kirsten Dunst and Jesse Plemons. Right? Such a weird And Coda. Coda was something that I hadn't really learned about until uh, we were coming up to awards season. And uh, Troy Kutzer is the uh, second, I believe, uh, deaf actor to win an Academy Award after Marley Matlin, who is also in yep. Coda. Okay. And she went for, oh, shit. I had the name of the movie and Children I just lost Lesser it. God. Thank you. Yeah, she is. Uh, she was the first. She's the second. They announced that when he won deaf actor to win an Oscar. All right. So we have supporting actress Ariana DeBois for West Side Story. Jesse Buckley for The Lost Daughter, Judy Dench for Belfast, Kirsten Dunst for Power of the Dog, and Anjuan Ellis for King Richard. And that one went to Ariana DeBois. Who had the classiest, like, heartfelt speech. That was, like, a true Oscar speech right there, in my opinion. It I agree. It was a very speech. good speech. Hmm. I, I could say, having seen so many clips now from Belfast, uh, I have no interest in ever seeing Belfast. I am uh, Irish, but that movie looks dull as shit. <laughs> I don't know anything. I mean, I know of it, but I don't know anything about it. Like the plot or anything. I'm looking it up now, though. Directed by Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, I mean, you kind of have me 50% of the way but with directed by Kenneth Branagh. But uh, moving on, we also have animated feature film, which was not a category back in 92. Oh, right. They yeah, have... it was kind of a big deal that Beauty and the Beast was up in the regular. Right. Beauty and the Beast was animated. They didn't have an anime car- category yeah. at that point. So they have Encanto, Flea, 
Luca, Mitchell's versus the Machines, and Rhea and the Lost Last Dragon. And no surprise, Encanto won. Of course. Yeah. And Flea was nom- nominated for a bunch of categories outside of animated categories, yeah. which I thought was interesting. I kept seeing it show up. And so I'm vaguely curious about it. And Mitchell's and Ma- the Mitchell's and Machines was pretty good. Oh, so good. Uh, but Raya and the Last Dragon, I think just uh, stylistically, I think I personally think that one should have won. See, I'm a big fan of Raya. Luca was fun. But it wasn't like an earth shattering, changing kind of thing. I loved it. We've talked about Encanto. Mitchell's, I thought, was was phenomenal. Ray and the Last Dragon actually is one of those movies that I have no desire to see it. It does not appeal to what? me whatsoever. Yeah. I don't know why. It's just one of those movies. I see the, the pictures from it and I'm like, eh. Huh. I don't know why. It's weird. weird. But if, you, if you've seen it and you say it's good, I, I may have to check it out. Just... Yeah, it's definitely worth a one watch. Because I mean, I mean, you knew, you know me in animated films. I mean, this is this is like my category. Exactly. I know, I know this. Is, I know this is going to get me roasted, but that is pretty much how I feel about Encanto. I just, I don't have any desire to see it. Like based on everything about it, like even hearing the music, everything is just like, meh. Well, if, if Mike says it's it's okay. worth watching as an animated film, that gives me a reason to consider it. You know, honestly, because uh, yeah. That is kind of your your jam, so to speak. Yeah, I do. I I do like them. I mean, and, and I'm glad that they finally came up with a, you know, I don't know what I forget what year it came out where they had the animated uh, category show up, but it's totally damn worth it because now having a kid who's learning to be an animator, it's a lot of friggin' work going into this stuff. Yeah. Whether it's drawing or whether it's model movement or whatever, it there's a lot of effort. You know, walking across the stage. You know, walking from one point to another point is easy if you're filming just a person walking. But if you're drawing a person walking, that's a totally different thing. And they need some respect for that. And I'm, I'm trying to remember. Song of the Sea. There was a. Um, oh, God bless it. I'm trying to remember that they also came up with another movie that I think should have won. It was directed by Tom Moore, who did Song of the Sea, The Secret of Kells, and Wolf Walkers. That came out in that came out in 2020. That's the problem. It's too early. Uh Josh, you would like it. They're actually very like Irish Celtic type of um mythology animation. Huh. Yeah. Secret of Kells is exactly that they find the Book of Kells type of thing, that sort of story. Song of the Sea, uh, it, spoilers, you know, like the, the uh, I don't know how to put it, the sea folk come, start coming forward, and then Wolf Walkers is a girl discovering that she's part werewolf type of thing. And the animation in these is just amazing. Great art in this one. But I, I got, I'm realizing why I got excited because Wolf Walkers actually was up for Best Animated last year, not this year. So there you go. Totally off subject. But let's get back to what we are talking about. Cinematography. Dune, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, The Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story. And guess what won? Dune. Greg Frazier for the cinematography on that. Yeah, we're going to be talking a lot about, hey, Dune won again. Yeah. Because it uh, didn't quite sweep, but damned if it didn't get more uh, awards than I thought it, it is would. A, yeah, it did show up a lot. It is a mighty fine looking movie, you know, so I'm not surprised. But 
Yeah. So was Nightmare Alley and so was West Side Story. And and like sci-fi or other genre pieces don't necessarily pull down a lot of awards. So I I don't think it doesn't deserve all the awards it got. I was just surprised that it got them. Mm -hmm. And considering, actually kind of considering the original Dune, you think they want to like not bring it up. Hey. Costume design. <laughs> Cruella. Cyrano. Another movie that we had on the list for uh, remakes. Dune, Nightmare Alley, and West Side Story. And Cruella, Cruella 1. As it totally should have. Yeah, should have. 100%. Yeah, I mean, that, and it also kind of retroactively justifies our inclusion of it in Oscars month. Because this was the big category it had a shot at. And it took it down. Yep, yep. Also moving on, directing Power of the Dog, Belfast. Well, it's a Power of the Dog, Jane Kempen, Belfast, Kenneth Branagh, Drive My Car, Raisuki Hamaguchi, Licorice Pizza, Paul Thomas Anderson, West Side Story, Steven Spielberg, and Jane Kempen, one with Power of the Dog, beating out Steven Spielberg. Which, so West Side Story was kind of, didn't do what I think everybody was expecting, so... I, I, yeah. And she also had a pretty fun little speech, too. Like, and, I, I like that she got up and she called out uh, Kevin Costner a little bit for being kind of stodgy. She's like, very dramatic, Kevin. <laughs> well, she's, she's, you know. Yeah, his, his speech was like it started good and like heavy and like about his history with movies. And then he started to ramble like he wasn't sure where he was. Like Liza Minnelli, which is unfortunate. That was sad, by the way. Yeah, that's the thing. It's her. It was definitely a medical and age condition for Kevin. It was just like, I don't know what was going on where he loves uh, to hear himself talk so much. Must be. Yeah. Well, I mean, Liza Minnelli just recently suffered from um, uh, some sort of hematoma, hematosis thing caused blood on the brain. Uh, Hmm. So and that had just just was fairly recent, but. Anyway, that was sad. Sorry. Going, moving on. No. Yeah. Uh, film editing: Dune, Don't Look Up, King Richard, Power of the Dog, and Tick Tick Boom. Dune won. Have any of you seen Don't Look Up? I hear a lot of very mixed reviews on it, and I'm curious. Yeah, but I haven't watched it. And I have not. And the, the mixed reviews are exactly why I have stayed away from it. Um, Sarah watched it and said that the performances were good, but it's one of those movies that makes its point and then continues to make its point until it's beaten you over the head with it. Ah. Hmm. Like they had a 30 minute concept and they didn't know how to make it a movie. It's like, okay, we get it. This is a metaphor for the climate crisis and Everyone's pretending that uh, nothing bad's going to happen. We got that in the first 20 minutes, but we're sitting here for another hour. (laughs) I'm going to look up just because you said not to. All right. Moving on. We have got uh, makeup and hairstyling. The eyes of Tammy Faye coming to America, which totally forgot about that one. Cruella, Dune and House of Gucci. The eyes of Tammy Faye almost kind of funnily win that one. Right, the makeup thing. Yeah. I 
I mean, yeah, what else can you say about it? You uh, make Jessica Chastain look like Tammy Faye Baker. You deserve some awards. <laughs> yeah. are, are, you, are you talented enough? Are you good enough in makeup to do makeup bad enough to be good enough to win an Oscar? <laughs> yeah. Are you good enough to make bad makeup look good? Oh, there you go. Yeah. Words. All right. So moving on to the next one, we have got... Original song, No Time to Die, from No Time to Die, Be Alive, from King Richard, Dos, Josh, help me out, Orguitas? Orguitas. Orguitas, from Encanto, Down to Joy, from Belfast, Somehow You Do, from the movie I don't know, Four Good Days. Don't know that one. Uh, I don't either. That yeah. one has, uh, oh, what's her, why am Meg. Uh, Mila Kunis. Why am I blanking on Mila Kunis? Huh? Yeah, Mila Kunis is in it. Oh, I thought you meant from Bob's Burgers, but that's not the daughter's name either, is it? Uh, no. All right, but any of the winner was No Time to Die. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that this was a clear, clearly correct decision, having heard all of the songs. Um, it's pretty obvious that uh, Encanto submitted the wrong song. Uh, they performed both of them although they perform let's are we don't talk about bruno and then interrupt it in the middle for an awkward rap about how much we love the oscars that was weird i don't know maybe pushing for i don't even know what they would be pushing for on that one I mean, that performance was great until, and I don't have a problem with rap. Some of my favorite songs are rap, but a weird rap verse that isn't in the song about the Oscars is not the reason I want to see the first live performance of We Don't Talk About Bruno. Right. And uh, yeah, Billie Eilish's song felt like a Bond song from another era, from like the 60s or 70s. And I thought it was a really cool song and it was my favorite uh, musical performance of the night. Yeah, she's got the pipes for it. And then moving on, we have got Best Picture. We've got Coda, Belfast, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, Power of the Dog, West Side Story, and Everybody's in the Pool this time. Holy cow, that's a lot of a lot of movies. What the hell is Licorice Pizza? The typical Paul Thomas Anderson movies, like vignettes. Yeah, it's the oh, okay. period piece Paul Thomas Anderson about like a couple awkward kids. Uh, he's going to like he's rich, she's not, and like the summer that they got together. Okay, got it. So Coda won for that one. Don't look up. Probably I'm guessing from I don't know. I think they threw that in there just to pad it out. Maybe it just that one kind of doesn't fit with all the other ones that are in here. Yeah, I was a little surprised at that getting nominated. Yeah. So moving on, production design, Dune, Nightmare Alley, Power of the Dog, The Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story, and Dune came out the winner on this one for totally good reason. Also, Sound, got Dune going up against Belfast, No Time to Die, Power of the Dog, and West Side Story, and Dune comes out with sound and production design in both of those. So... Then, guess what? Visual effects. Dune won. Dune. I mean, it was going up against... <laughs> Dune. I mean, come on. It was going up against Free Guy, No Time to Die, Dune, Shang-Chi, and the Legend. Oscar? 
and then <laughs> and then Spider-Man No Way Home. But yeah, Dune for that one, and then writing, adapted screenplay, Coda, after winning Best Picture, won that one. No, totally. Yeah, I mean, this looks like the, the feel-good movie of the year. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know what? If it wasn't on Apple TV, I would have seen it already. Mm-hmm. Uh, original sp- screenplay, Belfast, Don't Look Up, King Richard and Licorice Pizza, and Worst Person in the World, which, again, dropping one of these movies I've never heard of in there. But uh, Belfast won for that one, so Kenneth Brognock got another Oscar under his belt. Uh, worst person in the world, if I recall, is a foreign film because it was also nominated in the uh, foreign film category along with like a You Can Drive My Car, okay. which also made it into mainstream categories. I think it was the film from Sweden or Finland. Uh, he's not exactly sure about that. I'm sure someone would correct me on that, but it's it's a European film. Okay. The worst person in the world. And I found it, it interesting, by the way, I'm... I'm- I thought I heard them say during the broadcast when Kenneth Branagh won that it was his first actual win. He's been nominated before, but it was his first win. Really? Yeah. I don't. It might have huh. been like first win for directing, but I mean, it, yeah, I, I may have misheard that. But Joel, get on that. I mean, How many Oscars has Kenneth Branagh won? He's been in a lot of stuff, but a lot of it was entirely middle of the road or not that great. Worst person of the world huh. is Norwegian. Thank you. I knew it was one of those countries. There's a hell of a Norway, statement Finland, for you to Sweden. make. You got anything to back that up? Ha <laughs> The worst person. Never mind. It was a bad joke. Edit that out, Mike Lear. Yeah, I'm on that. Okay. Uh, Kenneth Branagh's been nominated eight times and won once. Really? Hmm. Yeah, so they were right. Yeah. Huh. Well, they were. Yeah, I'm more either. surprised by the eight nominations than the one win. Huh. That's crazy. And then finally, we have got. The Honorary Academy Awards. Samuel Jackson won for being a cultural icon whose dynamic work has resonated across genres and generations and audiences worldwide. Which is not wrong. And this was this was one of the other controversial decisions they made this year, is they took uh, the honorary Oscars and some of what they call the below-the-line categories in an effort to shorten the length of the broadcast show. They presented them pre-show off-camera. Yeah, I've got I've got some notes on that, too. So, uh, but honorary, we also have Elaine May for her bold, uncompromising approach to filmmaking as a writer, director, and actress, known for things such as A New Leaf, the Heartbreak Kid, Mickey and Nikki, and Ishtar. One of those is not like the others. And Liv Ullman, in her statement, Ullman's bravery and emotional transparency has gifted audience with deeply affecting screen portrayals. Norwegian actress. I, was say, I, don't, think, I don't think I know who that is by name. Right. Liv Liv uh, the Jean... John or Jean, Jean Herschel's Humanitarian Award. Danny Glover got that for advocacy for justice and human rights. And did you, any of you guys hear about this? There was an Oscars fan favorite thing that came across Twitter. Yeah, I, I watched both of the fan favorites and the top moments. Uh, like their number one choices were fucking bizarre. Yes. So they had a tie in for movie lovers and the Academy teamed up with Twitter to host the Oscar fan favorite contest with Twitter users can vote for their favorite film. Uh, Mark Donaldson of Screen Rant wrote that the decision to introduce this category widens the gulf between Academy voters and moviegoers. 
For example, aside from featuring Benedict Cumberbatch in both films, Power of the Dog is miles away from No Way Home, and that's how it should be. There should be a room for art house and commercial cinema. However, Spider-Man No Way Home winning fan favorite and Cumberbatch new film winning best picture would further entrench the divide between art and commerce and film culture. Ultimately, first place went to Army of the Dead. What the hell? And like we all were vaguely positive on Army of the Dead, but like an Oscar in any category. What? It's a fun movie, but it definitely is not. Uh, And the. Okay, and number two was Cinderella. I've not heard anything good about that. Right? The the Amazon one? Yeah, we talked we did about a show that. On yeah, it. we did a show on that. Yeah, that might have and been the one that Joel missed. Yeah, I wasn't on that yeah, one. Min- okay, Minamata, something came out. I don't know what Minamata is. And then Spider-Man No Way Home and then Tick, Tick, Boom. So, yeah, Tick, Tick, Boom, I want to see. But sp- uh, of, if I get to pick, I'm picking Spider-Man. And that's my, th- here. here's my theory for this. Twitter decided to do an online voting thing, and then I'm laying a bet someone on 4chan said, hey, let's make Army of the Dead the number one. I mean, that's the only thing that explains the other category that was fan chosen, which was top moment uh, in recent film history. Like, I think Avengers Assemble was number three, and number one was uh, the Justice League Snyder Cut the Flash enters the Speed Force. Yeah, I thought that was really that, odd. That okay, I 100% am blaming 4chan for this now. Somebody is screwing, somebody screwed with it. Because anything those idiots over at 4chan, they they're awful as long as they're discombobulated and all looking at separate things, but they all if they all focus on one thing at the same time, weird shit happens. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Yeah, my guess is there had to be some online vote manipulation because both of those categories were just weird to anyone who's ever seen a movie. Right. And like I said, don't, you know, I enjoyed Army of the Dead, but yeah, definitely, definitely Me too. not. Uh-huh. You know. It was it was a fun popcorn movie. Yep. It was fun and watched it. Check that box off and get on with my life. Yep. Indeed. Yeah. And as Josh was saying, there was also efforts to shorten the ceremony. Um, presentations of eight awards, animated short film, documentary, short subject, film editing, best live action short film, best makeup and hairstyling, best original score, best production design, and best sound were not broadcast, but pre-taped before the start of the telecast. Um, attempt, they tried to do that in 2019, but they reversed the idea after it was getting negatively received. Hollywood Reporter said that the decision was made under pressure from ABC execs who demanded that 12 of the 23 categories be moved off the live broadcast under the penalty of not airing the ceremony at all if cuts were not made. So uh, other people stepped in and made comments about it. Josh Brolin and Jason Momoa had entered negotiations to present eight awards off the air despite that. Uh, And all this going on to try and shorten it. The final program ran three hours and 42 minutes long, the longest show since 2018. Yeah, I ended up watching even the cut down version for Hulu was uh, three hours. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. People, Steven Spielberg, Guillermo del Toro all came in and were just like not down with the idea of cutting out these things. Basically, like Steven Spielberg had a great uh, statement about it's not just one person that makes these films. There's a whole team of people there's, and they need to be recognized 
And this the same thing was echoed by Guillermo del Toro. Well, Jennifer Garner and a couple yeah. other people like skipped the red carpet altogether, just went in to be in the audience for that part of the ceremony, which I thought was pretty cool. That's cool. So I could see that we've got a note about the the slap, but we've we've covered we've that. covered the slap. Yeah. Now we're going to get on to the performances. Uh, Beyonce performed "Be Alive" from King Richard in Compton. That was yeah, that was an odd like. The, I'm not a fan of the song. Uh, the performance was interesting, like the way it was all set up. Uh, I, I didn't think too much of the song. But, I mean, if there's uh, anything the, Beyonce and her entourage know how to do, it's it's make a musical event. So, Right. right. Yeah. And then uh, Sebastian Yatara did Hedors Ogiatis or Orgatis. Orogitas from Encanto. Uh, Reuben McIntyre, Somehow You Do from Four Good Days. Adasa and Stephanie Beatrice and a whole pile of people. We don't talk about Bruno, including someone named Megan the Stallion. Yep. Yeah, she's she's the rapper who did the uh, the rap burst right. that is not actually in the song. Yeah. Okay, so. And then Billy Ellish. Eilish. And Phineas from Phineas and Ferb. No. Uh, came Phineas in. is no. Billy Eilish's yeah. brother. Okay. <laughs> Phineas O'Connell. You know, and yeah. I thought their performance was the only there there was the only one I really liked out of all of them. Like I agree. And that's the thing, is like Phineas has been working with Billy since the start of her career. And just seeing the two of them get the award together. And like the joy and shock on her face when she was announced was one of my favorite parts of the whole right? thing. That and uh, how awesome Lady Gaga looked uh, helping at the end. Well, I mean, Billie Eilish and Phineas three years ago were just two kids, you know, writing music and singing songs in their bedroom. I mean, what a whirlwind right. three mm-hmm. years they've had, you know? Like, now they're like part of the global elite, you know, winning Oscars and going on world tours and shit. Yeah. And that's, and that's always cool to, when somebody wins the award when they 100% were not expecting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's the in memoriam section. I can see you've got the gospel choir listed as the performers. Yes, the Sunday service choir. Where the hell was Norm MacDonald? Uh, where was Bob Saget? Right. Yeah. They always screw the comedians uh, it was, over. Well, it's it, it was 2000. It's 2021. Hmm. Oh, wait, no. Betty White died in 22. No, no because they didn't mention uh, oh, that's right. Bob Saget, but mentioned Betty, Betty White, and they died within days of yeah, each other. Right. right. Yeah, they Comedi- comedians they did not mention always get screwed in the in memoriam. It Bob Saget, me Ed Asner, Gaspard Ull, Monica Vitti, Norm Macdonald, and Willie Garson were not mentioned. Yeah, and the combination of the the people I noticed who were not who were snubbed for the "You Died This Year." And the fact that they had the gospel choir coming out where it's distracting. You're not sure if you're looking at the pictures or looking at the gospel singers dancing around. And you've got gospel singers dancing around not 10 minutes after the slap. The whole thing was like a train wreck at this point. You've got some guy in the in the, in the the studio control, like bottle, a cigarette in one hand and a bottle of bourbon, the other one, eh, just let it go. What are we going to do? You know, it's not much we have. <laughs> I, but I just don't understand how, how you could miss people in the immemorium every single year. It's so easy. Just, I know. just search Google, man. Just find out who died and put them in there. Cause you, and it's, it's not and a matter of time. Like, it's not like it's, you're adding like five minutes. It's like adding a bucket of water to the ocean. 
Make sure and you it's cover not like everybody. it's this obscure Check name us. either. Yeah. Bob Saget, Ed Asner, Willie, Norm Macdonald. Good God. I mean, the other people I don't know, but I mean, Norm Macdonald, one of the most incredible uh, comedians out there with Bob Saget. Ed Asner. I mean, Ed Asner's career goes back 50 years. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it's asinine that you don't include these people. And you know Willie Garson. And it's that. not like you're going to make it up next year. Right. I mean, the thing is, they should have somebody that just when somebody dies that's famous, they just put it in a little box and they're like, save that for next year. They've got like a little Excel spreadsheet. You know, you don't, I mean, you it's, don't even it's need not that. difficult. It's, it's a search. Actors, actresses, dead 2021. There I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, Academy, pay me $50,000 a year. I'll keep a list for you. Fuck. He does it anyway. You'll him yourself. <laughs> uh, Who do you want? You do it for $50 a year. But don't tell them that. Oh, okay. I'll edit that out. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> if it's between you getting fifty and fifty thousand, yeah, I'll edit that out. I mean, any other other jackass stuff you do, no, well, still stay. So, so I I don't know if thumbs up, thumbs down is really relevant, but yeah, I mean, I will say, I definitely enjoyed watching the entertainment of the '92 show, but I think a lot of it had to do with like. It's Billy Crystal. It's nostalgia to some extent. right? Sure. I mean, you kind of got the Saturday Night Live effect where people our age are like, oh, it was so much better. Oh, sure. Because you're comparing your memories of the best of an entire decade against the everything of yesterday. Right. Right. But yeah, I mean, I don't, we don't really need a thumbs up, thumbs down. I mean, is there, is there any movie that stands out between any of the years that you're like, now I got to see that? Oh, dude, there's a, a ton of films that I am definitely going to see. A Drive My Car came up so many times. It looks super interesting. I want to see Coda if it ever comes to a service that I don't have to pirate well, it. Drive My Car is on Hobo, so you can watch that HBO. Oh, okay. I thought it was only on uh, Apple+. Plus. Coda, so. though, is, is that? Oh, no, no, that's, that's yeah, Coda. Coda's that's Apple. Coda. Yeah. Uh, being the Ricardos, I want to get around to. I've wanted to see Tick, Tick, Boom for a while. Same thing with Tragedy of Macbeth. There's a lot of films that this was like, oh, yeah, I, it's about time for me to finally watch that. Yeah, I'm going to watch Bugsy. No. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so uh, there yeah, you go. So uh, this was the end of Oscars month. If you think there's something we missed uh, this year that you really had hoped we would talked about with regards to the Oscars, let us know. Give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep. And uh, if you're looking for some of our older shows, maybe go back and listen to our previous uh, Oscar shows, which you won't find because this is the first one that we've ever done. You can find those at uh, all sorts of your podcast locations such as Podbean or Pandora. Give us a thumbs up on those and give us a rating. You know, give us a, a little bit of Slap. a chat. Yeah, give us a sl- <laughs> You can also go to Amazon, Google, or uh, Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review there, and you can also support the show through the coffee link in the show notes. Joel, what do we have coming up now that Oscar month is over? Ah, we're finally moving on. We're going to be talking about Death on the Nile, uh, Jackass, and Pranks, Plan 9 from Outer Space, and TV theme songs. Nice. I'm actually look, really looking forward to Death on the Nile. It's available now on HBO. Yo, yo. Yeah. And Indeed. Hulu. Yeah, that's something that uh, once I get through this rough weekend, I think well, it's going to be first up for us. Right on. 
All right. Well, everybody, thank you very much for listening. And we will be back next week with more uh, then and now retro reminiscing. In the meantime, thanks for listening and have a great week. Bye. circle of is everybody about to puke what is happening here (laughs) it's like i've heard just like every other bodily function is coming out of us (laughs) in the last five minutes